Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah, sure. Most yeah, ferocious accents. Mm, oh, yeah. And sometimes mm-hmm. a mid-Atlantic accent too. Oh, why oh, not? Quiet. Every once in a while, it's necessary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. I'm hungover. <laughs> I'm, I'm Amanda. <laughs> I'm shocked. Guys, I woke <laughs> up this morning in not my bed and um, <laughs> rolled Rubber. over to in my friend. A bed. Yes, <laughs> my my friend. To my to my friend. My companion. My to companion. my gentleman caller. And said, "Don't freak <laughs> out. I'm gonna go vomit." <laughs> oh no. <laughs> And it's he was like, do you need sugar? And I was like, no. <laughs> Go and back to bed. And don't worry, my hair is too short to hold back, so you don't even need I've to get I've got a hair tie, and I'm an expert. Yeah, so leave me the fuck alone. Uh-huh. It's better than in college when it was, like, my first time really, like, binge drinking, and I had a gentleman caller in bed Uh next to me. Uh We didn't have sex, Mom. We just made out, which is heavy petting. (laughs) Heavy fingering. (laughs) So much fingering. (laughs) So much dry humping. Endless fucking fingering. Anyway, and then I woke up. And shot like straight up, sitting straight up in bed and puked into my cupped hands. It's happening. (laughs) You're a champion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Didn't get anywhere. Once when I was in college, also not sex, just heavy necking. Fingering. (laughs) I I woke up in a similar fashion, bolted upright, not yet vomiting, but like, yeah, yep. Yeah. Them heaves, I, them heaves, them dry I, heaves. And I ran to the bathroom, and I was barfing, and the dude comes in. He was in my phone as Cancun Matt. So <laughs> if you're out there, Cancun Matt. Um, he was like, are you okay? And like between hurls, I was like, oh, I'm fine. I throw up all the time. I'm officially <laughs> making it my life's mission to find Cancun Matt. Cancun Matt. I think that Coven I explained, assemble. I think that I explained to him that my anxiety manifests itself in nausea at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I'm, like, and I'm, I'm sorry. You I had a lovely evening at all. <laughs> I had a lovely evening. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your generous <laughs> hospitality. <laughs> it was go. in my own apartment. Oh. Get out. Get out. I woke up. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I hope that I still have this, but in the morning I woke up, he had left me a post-it note that was oh. like, had a great time, call me sometime. And I, left once had a one, I once had a one-night stand in Boston, and all I had when I snuck out were blank Christmas cards, so I just left him a Christmas card that said, thanks for the sex. <laughs> Happy holidays. It snuck out and never talked to him again. <laughs> Seasons greetings. Seasons greetings. Thanks for the sex. (laughs) Bye. Tell me it was like late April. Lose my number. No, it was around Christmas. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was applicable. It would have been better if it was like August. (laughs) Oh, my God. Christmas card's still in my purse. What are we even talking about today? So, so so far. Special thanks. Recording this, we're like, we really have to buckle down. Our cases are long. We gotta like rush into this. 20 (laughs) minutes later. Um, okay. We have a very special fan pick this week from um someone who's donating $25 a month on Mm -hmm. Patreon. God Mm -hmm. bless. Um so Emily Bushy selected this week's topic. Emily's been listening for like since the beginning, right? Yeah, Yeah. she's she's I know this name. Some OG yeah. listener. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you so much for your support. And I love her topic for this mm-hmm. week. It is killer nicknames. Y'all. Yes. Yes. So, so good. Killers, usually serial killers who earned themselves like a nickname by the press or in Mine the public would be consciousness. The night fart killer. <laughs> Actually, oh. <laughs> before we get going, let's share our oh, nicknames yeah. from the uh, criminal <laughs> nickname generator that I found online. Oh, shit. I have to find. You guys go first. I'm looking for mine. Oh, my God. Oh, I'll go first. Oh, so no. if, if anyone out there listening wants to take this quiz because it comes with, up with phenomenal nicknames, mm-hmm. um, Google Rum and Monkey. It's rumandmonkey.com criminal nickname generator. It's ridiculous. So you take a little quiz and it poops out this random nickname for you. And mine <laughs> is, oh God. is Lucky Ollie La Lady Fucker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it makes no Oh, my God. Sense. Are you ready for mine? Because it also yeah. doesn't make any sense. I yep. am. Madman Johnson DeRobot Yawner. why johnson what it reminded me of the video of that cat that sounds like it's talking oh long johnson (laughs) (laughs) okay mine was cheesy kenyan the monkey fucker (laughs) i mean all that parmesan in your bag yeah i got parmesan in my bag Cheesy Kenny's the monkey fucker. Cheesy Kenny's the monkey fucker. Yeah, and I'm the lady fucker. How did they know? This generator. I don't know. know. Our fans want Amanda to be the lady fucker. I know y'all are thirsty. (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) In fairness, Amanda wishes she was queer just as much Mm -hmm. as you guys do. (laughs) I have tried. (laughs) Yeah, I can't force it. It's just the way you're born, you know. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, before we get to the wine crime pairing, though, I have something that I want to butt plug. Get yes. it. And it actually is not 
anything related to us. It's not a merch item or whatever. We do not make money from this, but I just love it so much that I want to share it with all of you because I think you'll love it too. Okay. So talk space. Oh, shut up. <laughs> RX bar. Um, no. Uh, there is this new podcast uh, on the CastBox network, and it is called This Sounds Serious. Mm. And it's a true crime mockumentary. What? Like the Netflix thing with the penis guy that does penises? Oh my god! Like best in show, the second best movie ever. But it's it's like a it's a podcast true crime mockumentary, and it's it's like making fun or like in the vein of those like CBC like Canadian like serious journalism true crime podcasts. It's so good, you guys. Go check it out. This sounds serious. It's where all your podcasts are, and it's hysterical, and I love it, and you're going to love it, too. I'm pumped. Yes. Okay, I'm checking that out. We I have so many podcasts to front load before getting on a plane in, like, a week for your wedding. This will obviously yeah. mm-hmm. have already mm-hmm. happened by the time this comes out, but mm-hmm. I got lots of pads to get cat up on, so mm-hmm. if this sounds mm-hmm. serious, sounds perfect. I've been in my queue. the whole first season. So there's one season that's out, but they're going to be more. And I binged the entire first season in one day. It's so oh, good. Lord. Fantastic. Yeah. Perfect. All right. I'll check okay. it out. So what is our wine crime pairing for killer nicknames? Well, apropos of nicknames, I've mm-hmm. chosen the <laughs> nickname Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, well, that is... <laughs> On the nose. <laughs> Most on the nose pairing <laughs> I have ever done. Speaking of wow. on the nose pairings, somebody sent us a video on Instagram yesterday of a sign that just said tons. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. That's my favorite thing. It um, brought me so much joy. This is not a Wink Wine, but we have an amazing sponsor called Wink Wine Club. And uh, though I'm not going to talk too much about them, they're an amazing online wine club that typically provides all the wines that we pair. Sometimes we deviate from the path, but when we do pair Wink Wines, you can check out our website. We do them like a month in advance so you can curate a box of wine and drink mm-hmm. along with us so to check that out go to trywink.com forward slash gals if it's your first time there you're going to get 20 bucks off your first order and if you get four or more bottles in your backs it gets shipped on the house you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the shipping so trywink.com forward slash gals but again this is not a wink wine and wink this, is spelled w-i-n-c yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This comes from the Lange Twins Family Winery in the vineyards in Acampo, California. So another California Mm. cab supporting that California wine economy. Um, This wine is aged in French oak for six months and is certified green for wine growing sustainability. So sustainable farming practices have become incredibly popular, especially in the wine industry. Um, they're being used worldwide and more and more places are striving to be sustainable, especially in terms of like how they irrigate the soil. Cause grapes can be pretty, uh, water. They can be thirsty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't we all. Exactly. So <laughs> using sustainable farming practices is really important. And if we want to keep having wine, which we which do, which we do, you should be <laughs> buying from vineyards that are, you know, committing to sustainable farming. Yeah. Um, this wine has legs, y'all, which Ooh. you can see when you swirl your glass. So people, when they say legs, when you swirl your swirl your glass and watch like the remaining wine that sticks to the sides of the glass kind of drizzle down on the inside it's of the glass. It's really pretty. 
that thick dribble is like basically what you're seeing when you see legs on Wayne. <laughs> that's, that's what she Yeah. Said. Yeah. Thick insert come joke here. <laughs> Gentleman's relish. Um, the nose has mocha, dark cherry, and spice, uh, like clove, kind of those warm spices. Yeah. It's about 13.5 ABV, which is like exactly on the nose for a Cabernet. It's not too boozy. It's not going to make it too acidic. Um, this bottle drinks really smooth, but it does do better after um, being open for like five to ten minutes to oxygenate just a bit before drinking it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's medium bodied. It has a mellow finish. It's not too dry. And it is easy drinking on its own, but it would also pair really well with beef or lamb. I am Ugh. so hungry. Um, <laughs> this bottle retails for around 12 bucks, so it's a total steal for such a great product. And yeah. if you want to head over to whiningcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com, you can snag yourself a fucking nice pop wine opener. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes it really easy to open and consume your alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't You won't end have. up like me, embarrassing yourself in front of 35,000 people trying yeah, to open yeah, a bottle of wine. That was the best part of any episode yeah. we've ever done. <laughs> it easily was. You crushed it. <laughs> Ooh. Nice pop. Nice pop. Nauseating pop. Oh, you guys, this is a struggle. <laughs> Cowboy, you take me it. away. I believe in you. All right. Well, Amanda Dry heaves. Lucy, <laughs> what is our background and psych for killer nicknames? Lady fucker. Okay. Uh, Lucky Ali, la lady fucker. <laughs> yes. Lucky oh, Ali. <laughs> la lady fucker. I don't understand. I love it, but I don't understand it. Like my relationship with you two. Mm. Thanks. Okay. I sneezed. <laughs> I thought it was a dog barking. <laughs> I wasn't sure what that was. Okay. So a lot of this information was taken from an article by Simon Usborn. Garfunkel. Usborn in the independent online publication. Mm. Okay. So the main reason the press gives catchy nicknames to notorious people is so that it sticks in the mind of the public, and also often they have not identified the culprit before the crime is reported on. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. kind of both. Just um, to get language, the word out. Yeah, yeah. Language matters in this case and perhaps sometimes propagates the impression of a threat so words like ripper, strangler, mm. mad, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Um, those are obviously c- kind of gory and violent words that suggests information that may not be laid out in a given story or even necessarily factual. So I'm a very strong believer that words matter, language matters, and yep. this is a very good uh, mm-hmm. example of. But sometimes s- they'll sensationalize. A hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, So many notorious people have several nicknames given by different outlets, and it's just a matter of what sticks, what sounds the best. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So an example is Mohammed Mwazi. Does that name sound familiar to you two? No, No. but I have a feeling their nickname will. (laughs) (laughs) So Mohammed Mwazi was the British Islamic State militant who killed journalist James Foley in 2014. Uh, Yeah. 
So yeah. he had several nicknames. Um, he was called The Beetle, and that was because he was kind of uh, sort of seen as the ringleader of four British um, guys who joined ISIS. Okay. Oh, so, so that, literally hence, like the Beatles. The Beatles. The Beatles. Yeah, Perfect. so they're Did British. There's hair. four of them. Well, little round Harry uh, Potter glasses. Little fun fact: one of them looked more boyish than the other three, so he was nicknamed Osama bin Bieber. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. So keep keep that beetle factoid in mind. Uh, but he was also called variously the Ali G Jihadi. Mm. Again, oh British. British. British tabloids are just amazing. Real bad. No <laughs> yeah. holds, but they will yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. 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 Um, John the Executioner, Jailer John, and Jihadi John. All right, wow. so the last one sounds familiar. Jihadi John was the one that stuck. But again, John, like John Lennon, ringleader, Beatles. Right, right. So that's, oh. that's where the John came from. Okay. Um. So Jihadi John was the one that stuck, and in fact, it stuck so well that eight months after uh, uh, James Foley's death, there were still headlines about this Jihadi John guy, and the phrase Jihadi John showed up in 11 headlines Mm -hmm. in a random day in March, whereas MYZ, his actual name, showed up in four. Oh, wow. Okay, so people just really skipped right over the the real name in favor of the nickname. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and like you two, like Jihadi John. Oh, yeah, I remember who that guy was. Right, but right, like right, right. Mohammed Mwazi. Uh, okay. Right. Um, so according to Raffaello Pantucci, Ooh. who is a counterterrorism researcher at the Royal United Services Institute, um, he says, it's about creating a mythology, and the name is a big part of that. So... MYZ in this example uh, was never masked to shield his identity. Mm-hmm. He must have expected to be identified at some point, but he wore a mask to create the myth of this faceless butcher, the avenging hand of ISIS. Mm-hmm. And the nickname plays into this to create sort of a cartoonish figure. Definitely. And he also notes that the term lone wolf itself might be Hate something that, that a that a person could strive for because it seems cool and predatory. So, like, some people could desire to have a nickname, and Lone Wolf is just one example. So Um, we can't call them them that. We just have to call them fuckfaces. Yeah. Fucking white male terrorists. Lonely fuckfaces. Yeah, Yeah. white male terrorists. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this way... It's possible that a more tame nickname like Jihadi John can act to quote diminish monstrousness, and those so were to make very it good, like more palatable for the public because it was so gruesome and horrible. Yeah, so like these nicknames can boost the criminal's ego and attract the public to them, or it can work in the reverse to make them look sort of foolish and incapable. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, so I'm not saying that a uh, an outlet would necessarily have either of those intentions in mind when they gave a criminal a nickname, but it can have that effect. Mm-hmm. Or it. it can be subconscious because newspapers are like, they've got the finger on the pulse of the public and the public's feelings and sentiments and kind of what the public wants, what news the public wants to consume. Right, because they're you know. selling this information. Right. So if yeah. it were sensationalized or 
if it sort of gave the appearance of having some sort of objective or aim, then that might be more desirable for somebody to pick up that newspaper and buy it. Right. Mm -hmm. And like Mm -hmm. the public Mm -hmm. at the time, like they didn't want, nobody wants Islamic State to win. Nobody wants ISIS to win. And so doing something that kind of pokes fun and diminishes the power is what the public wanted to consume. Right, right, right. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Osama bin Bieber. Right. Yeah. I would buy that newspaper. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so giving criminals these nicknames reduces them to a single faceted identity that can either be flattering or not. So again, words have power and um, it can sometimes limit how willing we are to understand the motivations and psychology of these criminals because it's just like, oh, jihadi John, mm-hmm. I know everything I need to know about this individual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Jack the Ripper, we know he has a name and we know what he does. That's mm-hmm. all we care to know about. Right. Yeah, and um, it's easy to remember. Yeah, so that is all of the information that I have for you. Love it. <laughs> well, thank God, because my case is so long. Hey. I'm so sorry. It's okay. If you are already dreading getting through Kenyon's case. <laughs> and, and subsequently mine. We both oh, have God. long cases today. <laughs> and you, I'm definitely going to need talk space after this episode is over. Yeah. I already f- I feel it. I feel it. It's a, it's a dark one. It's a dark uh-huh. one. Yeah. So Talkspace is the online therapy company that allows you to text or message or voice chat or voice memo video or video chat. message yeah. all the ways um, a licensed therapist at any time from anywhere. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's all through an app that's on your phone. You can also access it on your computer. I will literally have so much to say sometimes that like my thumbs get tired and I have to go to the Talkspace website so I can <laughs> use my keyboard when it's been like a particularly bad case of Kenyans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or voice use that voice memo. Yep. But I like I thought I, I thought you were saying like a case of the Kenyans. I've got a bad case and of the Kenyans <laughs> right now. I was like, what? Is this what people say? It's a I've real a condition. The- people need to start recognizing it. <laughs> and thank God I have talk space as part of my treatment plan. But yeah. honestly, it is amazing and uh we talk about this all the time, but just prioritizing your mental health is so important and having the option of in real time, getting something off your chest or, mm-hmm. you know, asking for advice or getting something down on paper so that you're not like bottling up all these things and then trying to remember what everything is that you want to go over in one hour appointment, you know, maybe once or twice a month. You mm-hmm. have this awesome resource at your disposal whenever something is plaguing you or you have a question or whatever. You can just grab mm-hmm. your phone or go to your computer and write it down. And within, you know, a few hours, you're likely going to get a response back. I get a response between like nine to five office hours every day. Emily checks in with me every day. Even if I don't need to talk to her every day, she won't like pester me or make me feel bad. If it's been, you know, four or five days and I haven't checked in, she'll just be like, hey, hope everything's great. You know, hope mm-hmm. you're having a great weekend. Like, let me know when you want to talk and it's just mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. so easy and fluid and I really love it mm-hmm. and, and we got the most amazing email the other day from a listener who um their brother lived in another state and he was going through a really tough time and was trying to reach out and get a therapist and the therapist you know nobody was available for at least three weeks mm-hmm. so 
he joined Talkspace and it was a literal lifeline because he was connected mm-hmm. to somebody who could talk to him that day. Wow. And he did need in-person therapy or, you know, does still possibly, uh, but just having somebody there immediately and really at mm-hmm. your beck and call mm-hmm. uh, just to just to talk to, just to check in with um, mm-hmm. uh, made an enormous difference. So uh, that person might be listening right now. We got your email. We love you and so glad that your brother is doing better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It is a much faster onboarding process than, than trying to find a, a traditional in-person therapist and, and get an appointment. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all lead busy lives and Talkspace just fits within that. And, and you know, not having time is no longer an excuse to not treat your brain. So, yep. yeah. Um, for actually now it's $45 off. Oh, my God. Awesome. Month. They boosted us. Wow. They boosted it. I know. Actually, it's been $45 for a while. We just didn't know that. Oh, um, well. Surprise. So to so get $45 <laughs> off your first month, go to Talkspace.com forward slash gals, G-A-L-S, and treat your brain. And now a word from another fantabulous, fabulous sponsor. <laughs> FabFitFun <laughs> is a quarterly subscription service that sends you the latest in beauty and fashion, fitness, and wellness every season. This box is curated by Juliana Rancic and the FabFitFun team. And each season is guaranteed to have 200 doll hairs plus worth of full-size <laughs> products. The Summer Editor's Box is out now. I have received it. It is incredible. I'm not jealous I'm at all. Already hooked. I'm super yes, not jealous. Mars. <laughs> um, some of my favorites are the super cute and super functional Yumi Kim makeup case I got. It has a separate spot for all of the makeup brushes, like all these little pockets, keeps everything organized, and it's like also very compact, so I'm excited to use it for traveling, but I just use it for my everyday makeup setup now. Um, the Spongel Body Wash Infused Buffer Sponge mm. is unbelievable. It smells so good. I also got this like really nice kind of floral, rosy um, shower gel that's really mm. beautiful that I love. Some really nice lotion, a really beautiful necklace. Um, probably my favorite thing, though, is the ISH, ISH Lip Palette-ish. It has all mm. these different statement you colors in ish. it. I love that ish so much. I've been using that every day. It has so many different looks that you can have for your lip. And you know how I like a bold, mm-hmm. bright lip? It's incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with it. And I'm like fully on board with that fit. Oh, my God. <clears throat> that ish that is ish. awesome. Mm-hmm. I tell you. So here's how it works. You become a member and just for $49.99 each season, so that's four times a year, mm-hmm. you will get a box filled with 8 to 10 full-sized, full-sized premium products valued at over $200. Yeah, these are big, y'all. I, oh, I'm so excited for my box. <clears throat> Each mm-hmm. season, you get to choose products um, and add-ons that you want in the box, or you can just let the experts curate the box for you and keep it a surprise, which, as Amanda can attest, they're very talented yep. in that arena. They're so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with your membership, you also have exclusive access to FabFitFun TV, which offers workouts that you can do at home, like mm-hmm. maybe if you have a wedding coming up. Or yeah, tighten things up. general fitness. Um, and they add new content monthly to keep your workout routine fresh. So if you're already a gym rat, this is going to help you mix things up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also shop exclusive member sales on products. So if you get a product in your box that you absolutely love and you want to keep it year-round and always have it in stock, you can get mm-hmm. these discounts. Um, 
And you have access to a huge community of FabFitFun users to share your experiences with the products that come in your box and also uh, you know, talk about where you're at in your fitness journey and have that support group. So that's really fun. Support mm. is necessary, especially when it comes Jeez. to exercise. <laughs> Yeah. I am not yeah. accountable to anyone. Okay. So to get to get $10 <laughs> off your first box, head to fabfitfun.com and use the promo code CRIME10 at checkout. So again, mm. that's 10 bucks off your first box, so that'll make it 39.99 for $200 mm-hmm. worth of products, people. $200. Uh-huh. Again, run, don't mm-hmm. walk. But Actually, just go to your computer and go to fabfitfun.com, F-A-B-F-I-T-F-U-N.com, and use promo code CRIME10, C-R-I-M-E-1-0, at checkout, 10 bucks off, $39.99. Do it now. So my case was uh, picked by... Our fan picker this week. So by Emily Emily. Bushy. Emily Bushy said, this is the topic, killer nicknames, and who better for this topic than the motherfucking Golden State Killer? Never heard of him. Oh, (laughs) Lord. Never heard of him. Who dat? Who dat? Okay, so this person uh, had a trillion nicknames uh, given by the press because it wasn't until very recently that all of these different various crimes in different locations were linked with DNA evidence. And it was realized that these various killer nicknames were one person, in fact. So, the nicknames. Golden State Killer, the East Area Rapist, Mm. the Visalia Ransacker, Mm. the original Night Stalker, uh, wow. the, the Exeter Ransacker, the Cordova Cat Burglar, and the Diamond Knot Killer. Wow. All wow. one dude. That is so fucking nuts. I can't mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So scary. So I'm going to go through kind of in chronological order by the nicknames. Okay. And Golden State Killer was the one given... Once they linked all the crimes together and they're like, okay, this is the overarching nickname is Mm -hmm, Golden State mm -hmm. Killer. So they were all in California. Okay. Obviously, this case has been thrust back into the national spotlight recently for a few reasons. And one Mm -hmm. was um, the like wild success of Michelle McNamara. Michelle McNamara's book, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Mm -hmm. which uh, was published uh, posthumously after Mm -hmm. she died. Uh, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm so excited to. I Um, bought it when we were at CrimeCon, and I haven't read it yet because I'm still trying to get through goddamn House of Leaves, but I'm bringing it to South Africa with me. I have my copy to bring for South Africa. I'm so excited. We have a small little book club. We'll have a read race. Yeah. Oh. oh no! Don't well, let's not do that. <laughs> I will win. <laughs> that gives me anxiety. Let's not do that. You have to um, be done I... by the time we land. It's <laughs> taken me over a year to get through House of Leaves. I have like forty pages left. It's crazy. I need to order anyway. a copy, or maybe I'll order a copy in the states and have one of you bring it because there it's not. It's not just like in bookstores here. Which is shocking. Just keep Amanda's when she finishes it no, in 30 seconds I'm borrowing the way it there. from my friend. So it's not oh. even my copy. Okay. okay. Anyway, so uh, everybody should go check out I'll Be Gone in the Dark. I've heard it's incredible from a million different people. Um, 
Da, da, da. And then the next reason why this case has been hugely in the news is because there was a shock arrest of a prime suspect. He fucking did it. Uh, Joseph mm-hmm. James D'Angelo in April 2018. Yeah. yeah. So that was shocking. Super shocking. Headline news. I think I got a push notification. Like, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. Okay. But let's go back to the beginning, or at least what we let's think. Start it. at the very beginning. It's a very, very good, good place, place to start. start. When you read, you, you begin, begin with, with R E A D. <laughs> Golden State Killer. <laughs> no, G S K. When you kill, you begin with East Area Rapist. Um, BTK. Oh, no. BTK. BTK. The first three notes just happen to be. Okay. Um, By Torture Kill. By Torture Kill. <laughs> At least we think we're funny. Okay. Um, so we think the beginning was in 1974, but some theorize that. It could have gone back all the way to 1968, his mm. crimes. And I'm sure we'll hopefully get an answer to that with DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, How old would he have been in 1968? That is a great math, question. Math, 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 math. Can't do I it. I don't know. There's I no way to know. Okay. No idea. Well, he's, se- he's 72 now. 68 was, what, 50 years ago? Right. So 22. Right. So right? it's possible. <laughs> That's I'm not contributing math. to this because there's okay. no way to know. There's no way to know. <laughs> All right. So <clears throat> they think that um, if it were him in 1968, from 1968 to 74, it was like voyeurism and like some attempted rapes um, and maybe like some attempted burglaries, but they don't know for sure during that period if that was him. But officially things start... In March 1974, with a spate of bizarre burglaries that begins in and around Visalia, California, and I mispronounce every city in California, so I hope that's right, Mm -hmm. Um, which it's kind of smack dab between Los Angeles and San Francisco. It's like in the middle of the state and near the College of the Sequoias. Gotcha. So there are some 120 burglaries that were eventually attributed to this one suspect, later dubbed the Visalia Ransacker. Wow. Jeez, He's busy. that's a lot. Busy, busy. So, very, very fucking busy. So in most cases, the Ransacker would break into single-story family homes, uh, completely ransack or tear apart the home, but mm. he would only steal small and not very valuable items. So it's about um, the act and not yeah. the reward. Not the value, definitely. Mm-hmm. I'm so grossed out because, quick anecdote, somebody was in my home mm-hmm. the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, you two have heard this. It but was me. As far as I know, nothing was stolen. But I just touched everything in your house. Well, they gently. walked past a lot of, not a lot of valuable things, but like, like my laptop was out. The like, fact that I, they oh, didn't take that makes it creepier way and worse. worse. Way um, worse. Also, the fact that I was home alone and I took a goddamn shower There's during this time worse. period. 
There's I think it was worse. like a kid in the neighborhood just doing it for like thrills and like apparently hid in my basement for an hour and a half. Oh my but god. Oh excuse my god. Excuse me, no, what? No, 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 no. What? No. Uh, Lucy, uh, it's not a kid no. in the neighborhood. Oh my god. You're moving. Well, I've heard rumors that there is a kid who lives somewhere around here who has uh, mental challenges, who just enters people's homes, even when they're home. Okay, well, uh, that kid could grow up to be fucking GSK. I'm not excusing anything. I'm super freaked out. I have been carrying a very long knife with me in my own home for the last 48 hours everywhere I go. And you're ramping up security. Uh, yeah, I actually bought a security system yesterday. It was okay. my birthday present to myself, so yay. Oh, oh my God. Anyway, okay. back to this horrific murderer. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, my God. Who started okay. out as a wayward young lad hiding yeah. in a basement in West Des Moines. Oh, my God. Not West Des Moines. Regular Des Moines. Whatever. Okay. And Don't my tell address people. is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so he would tear apart the place. But he would, like, straight up ignore cash and high-value items that were left out in plain sight and and just take, like, keepsakes, basically. Okay. Um, So it's possible that more than this number of burglaries occurred, so more than 120, but that a lot weren't reported because he didn't take items of high value. Right. So people were just like, well, whatever. I'm not going to call the police and deal and fill out a report if, if nothing major was stolen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I um, didn't call the police either. Well, there you go. Please call the police. Please? Well, uh, I couldn't prove anything. What were they going to do? Literally nothing. She's got Mm. a point. Start a file, so if it happens again, call the police. Mm. Okay. Moving on. I'm going to call. So, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes while rifling through the home's contents, he would also vandalize the home lightly and, like, you know, make it known that he'd been there by, like, leaving drawers open and, like, scattering shit around. Um, in the first known reported case, $50 worth of coins were stolen from a piggy bank. Oh, that's so um, sad. And uh, the ransacker was especially fond of foreign or historic coins, like collectible coins, medallions, um, and also collectible stamps. He really okay. liked taking like you yeah yeah "Hmm, this is sounding (laughs) eerily familiar but okay none of my stamps were collectible they are totally valueless yeah they're in my closet still (laughs) all stuck together (laughs) in one massive wad in Um, my parents attic okay no the stamp collection is with me Kenyon saw it i did we were unpacking your house and it was like fuck okay so well you do have a lot of your old trash in my parents attic mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. i really do yeah. your possessions are scattered around our friends yep. parents homes around <laughs> the globe okay so the visalia ransacker was known to pry open windows um, and attempt multiple points of entry into a home so like if the first point of entry didn't work he didn't just move on to the next house he like got into his target house wow. um, like to challenge yeah He also left multiple potential exits open for himself. So he would leave like various windows open and various doors unlocked so he could get out any which way. 
Um, he would place so-called warning items against doors and door handles to alert him if someone were to, like, come upon the scene. So he would place, like, often it was, like, dishes next mm. to a door. So, so the that dishes... makes a sound. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and he would wear gloves because no fingerprint evidence was ever found. Um, and he was also agile and good at scaling fences to gain Spider-Man. access to these houses. so creepy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you think if you have, like, a, you know, a high fence or whatever that you're a little more protected, but he, like... Parkour. Kinda, yeah, parkour, parkour. Um, 18 months into this crime spree, things took a darker turn. Mm. On September 11th, 1975, a prowler believed to be the Visalia ransacker broke into the home of a local journalism professor, Claude Snelling. Um, Just seven months earlier, Claude had managed to chase away a prowler lurking under his daughter's bedroom window. Oh, nope. So they think it it was probably the same guy, and he, like, really cased out the houses that he was going to attack for, like, a long time, and that was part of what, like, got him off. Um, Now... At 2.22 a.m., Claude is awoken by strange noises and goes to the carport to investigate. And then he comes face-to-face with a man in a ski mask attempting to kidnap his 16-year-old daughter. Good God. Oh, my God. So he had already gotten in the home, in the daughter's bedroom, gotten the daughter to go with him. This was, like, this was happening. Yeah. Ew. And was, like, almost out of the house via the carport. My God. Um, in the confrontation, the ransacker shot Claude twice, killing him. Oh! But wow. the ransacker left the would-be kidnap victim, Beth Snelling, and took off running. So Claude sacrificed his life, but he did manage to protect his daughter and, like, Aww. save his daughter. Yeah. Poor Claude. Wow, yeah. Poor um, daughter, too, oh, having just... to go through all of that. Ugh. Can you imagine? She's 16. Poor baby. Um, After fleeing, the ransacker left behind a bicycle on the street, which was the first piece of physical evidence that the police had to go on to look for him. So he had a Mm -hmm. bicycle that he had left behind. They think it was probably a stolen bicycle. Mm -hmm. Um, And after the attack, Beth underwent hypnosis to try to remember more details about the attacker. But as far as I know, these didn't glean much new information. Yeah. That's a very controversial method. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big time. Especially for a minor who just lost her father. Right. And, and like, often not yeah. admissible in court if they do get information in that way. Yeah. Because right? it's easily discredited. Right. I didn't, I didn't read anything about anything that came of it. Sure. Um, three months later, a police officer was um, staking out was like in a garage, like staking out the neighborhood because the the attacker kind of favored certain neighborhoods. Yeah, seemed to linger. Yeah. So well, they, he'd been casing house. He cased each house for so long. Right. Right. Why right. move to a different neighborhood? Right. He would really like pick a neighborhood, and a lot of his victims, even months apart, were were neighbors and stuff. Wow. Um. So they set up 
police and they he was like you know set up in a garage staking out trying to see if anyone was lurking around Mm -hmm. and um this officer apprehended a masked suspect oh my god must have thought they had like everything happening well they might have because the suspect shrieked um removed his mask briefly but there was a kerfuffle of course and Always. he he was pretending to allow himself to be arrested by the officer, but then he pulled out a thirty-eight revolver and shot at the officer, but didn't didn't hit him. My God! But then in this like kerfuffle, then the suspect got away, ran away. Ugh. But he pulled his mask off. So did the cop get a good look at him? Doesn't sound like he got a very good look at him. He there there have been plenty of. Um, Profiles because a lot of his early victims were not murdered; they were raped in their homes. So yeah. there were plenty of um, sketches drawn up, mm. and I don't know if this officer was able to create a sketch or not. But mm. yeah, so the suspect gets away, um, but he left behind a lot of physical evidence in the kerfuffle. Mm-hmm. So um, it includes a flashlight, size nine Converse tennis shoes. And a bunch of stolen coins and stamps. Because mm. fucking, that's so creepy. I'm sorry, yeah, but I don't like yeah. That. Yeah. Coin people. I'm sorry. Don't <laughs> trust him. Don't trust him. It's like horse people. Yeah. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. Hi, Shelby. Uh-uh. <laughs> Shelby's fine. Shelby's allowed. She's grandfathered in. Shelby, um, we love she's you. Grandfathered in. All right. All the East rest area. of y'all. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Mama no likey. No likey. Yeah. No yeah. fucking likey. Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. Yeah. East area rapist. After these close calls, it's believed that the suspect that had been known as the Visalia Ransacker then left that area and traveled some 200 miles away to Sacramento County. Mm. And there, a spree of home invasion attacks and eventually rapes with a similar M.O. began in mid-1976. Okay. So now this person is dubbed the East Area Rapist, and the attacker, again, preferred single-story detached homes in middle-class neighborhoods. He attacked in the middle of the night when it could be assumed that the inhabitants would be home and asleep and, like, vulnerable. So it wasn't about the burglary at all. It was about so, the people. Right. At this time, like you said, this was a similar MO in now just a different region. Mm-hmm. Were there suspicions then, even this early in the in you know, the history, that I it could be the same person? Or were people just like, oh, there's no way. They're so far apart. I don't think this early. I think after okay. a few years, some people, some investigators started to make right. a link, but okay. not, um, it, it was hotly debated. It was not a, a settled matter by any means that they were the yeah. same person. I'm sure there Got were it. theories. Right, right. Um, he wore a ski mask and tennis shoes. He employed multiple points of entry and exit. He used that alarm system of, like, dishes or or things like that next to doors. He used stolen bicycles for transport, and he carried a gun. Mm -hmm. So really similar or exact same MO. Literally Um, the same. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I guess with the Snellings, he tried to abduct Beth and take her to a different place. Right. And now he's doing these horrible yeah. things in these victims' homes. Right. Right. Got it. Um, he also preferred homes located near schools or trails or creek beds, which would provide mm-hmm. easy and not very well lit escape routes off of the main roads. So he mm-hmm. was like, he had it all fucking mapped out. He had it all planned out. Um, many victims had previously noticed a prowler um, or had even experienced a minor break in before the full attack, Lucy. <laughs> well, get ready to get stabbed. Okay. Um, Which led investigators to believe, again, that the the rapist would like to conduct extensive reconnaissance missions beforehand for, like, months. Um, He probably even left some of his weapons hidden inside the homes that he planned to return to later. Ew. So look around your home for weapons. Oh, my God. Hidden in, like... Plants in like potted plants and shit. Um, so these would often be um, like shoelaces that he would later use as ligatures or, or bindings. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would tie his victims' bindings so tightly that often their hands would stay numb for hours even after they were untied. Oh my God. Ew. So, like, really painfully tight like not just not just so they couldn't get out but like to inflict pain yuck um in one case a 23 year old woman woke up to a masked intruder standing over her naked from the waist down and he bound and gagged her and then raped her at knife point yeah and you have to take these things serious. I mean, obviously, rape you take seriously, but like anytime anyone enters your home, you have to fucking take that seriously. Like, I remember in high school, someone that I knew, um, her bedroom was in the basement of their home, and they had like sliding glass doors, and sh- they had forgotten to lock those doors oh, at night. No, no, no. no. And. She woke up and there was a man like over her in bed. Nope. Nope. And she screamed enough that it it, like freaked him out and he ran away. Yep. But uh, what the fuck? That's so disturbing. Yeah. Like anyone that's going to go to that extreme is it could go to this next extreme. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's also believed that the East Area Rapist called his past victims to taunt them, whispering over the phone, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to oh kill you. Oh, my God. So he over would and over and over ick. again. Rape them and then torture them after the fact. Yep. Then leave, like not kill them, leave, and then call them and, and whisper creepy shit over the phone. I what hate a this motherfucker sick so much. motherfucker. Ugh. He's the worst. Um, Some parts of the attacker's MO did evolve over time, however. So this lends to the theory at the time that it wasn't the same person. Got it. Because initially he targeted um, women and and girls, like teenage girls, and also women home alone with children. Oh, God. Okay. 
Um, but over time, he grew a taste for attacking couples, like heterosexual couples, at home together. Oh, dear. Because then Ew, he could I exert more power over, like, the man, basically, and, like, render the man impotent to, like, do anything to stop him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, so sometimes the female victims were forced to tie up their husband or boyfriend before being bound and gagged themselves. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he would force the man to lie flat on his back or on his stomach and then stack dishes on his back, threatening to kill him if he heard the dishes rattle. Oh, my God. Ick, what a freak. I hate mm-hmm. this. So, again, with the alarm system and dishes. Um, he also did this. To, this, is the, this is probably the worst part. He also Great. did this to a mother while he raped her 13-year-old daughter. Nope. Nope. Did the dish thing? Yeah. Oh, my nope. God. Nope. Yep. Nope. Yep. yep. I, I had never paid that much attention to this case because it was like so broad and there was so much to know about it and like I I don't know it just didn't like call to me I guess but uh-huh. it's so fucked up like now that yeah. I've dug deeper into it um uh, what else? He increasingly took his time inside the homes. So he would take time, sometimes hours, rifling through drawers, strewing women's underwear around the room, um, snacking in the kitchen, drinking beers out of the fridge. Ugh. And just Fucking chilling. Rude. Yeah. Fucking rude. <laughs> Um, and honestly, there are so many victims that we don't have time in the format of our show to list them all. But all told, it was probably like between 45 and 50 rapes. Wow. Holy d- shit. During Jesus. this this period. Um, and honestly, it could have been more because so few people report that shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So then on February 2nd, 1978, a young couple, Brian and Katie Majori were walking their dog when it's thought that they encountered the East Area Rapist, like, on the street. Mm-hmm. And they fled on foot but were chased down and shot to death. Oh, my God. And months before, Katie Majore uh, had reported a man stalking her at work who told her to her face, your turn is coming. Oh, my God. And it freaked her out so much that she actually quit her job. Holy shit. So again, with the like, you know, stalking someone for months thing. Um, And a shoelace was found near the scene, near the two victims. So that kind of cemented the theory that it was the East Area Rapist that killed them. Mm -hmm. And not like a mugging gone bad or whatever. Right, right, right. Um, Okay. There's more. But wait. (laughs) Yeah. There's more. Chime in with any jokes anytime. Nope. Just I don't think there are any. Mm -hmm. I'm drinking more wine. Okay. On to the original Night Stalker phase. So sometime in the late summer 1979, the East Area Rapist moves jurisdictions. Again, shout out Karen and Ellen Letters, jurisdiction. Um, this time to Southern California. So he started mid, he went north, now he's going south. Got it. Um, 
While in previous years, the attacker seemed to only commit homicide when he was in, like, an unanticipated situation. So he had only mm-hmm. killed, as far as we know, Claude Snelling and the Majores. Mm-hmm. Um, now he undertook another major escalation from rape to murder. Great. Okay. Yet again, the attacker was given a new nickname in the public consciousness, the Night Stalker. And then a few years later, Richard Ramirez in the mid-80s would also be given this nickname. And so then this case was renamed the original Night Stalker, the OG Night Stalker. Gross that there are two. Yep. Yeah, really terrible. Um, There there is some overlap with Richard Ramirez in a lot of ways, but the... um, the like profile, it obviously wasn't the same person because everyone was saying like this person is is blonde or has light brown hair and a round face and you know whatever. So physically they're not similar, but their mo has some overlap. Got it. Um, on October first, the original Night Stalker broke into a home on Queen Anne Lane in uh, Galetta, Santa Barbara County, and okay. tied up a couple. The couple overheard the attacker whisper to himself, I'll kill him. Ugh. Ugh. And so, yeah, talking to oneself. It's, I've got a couple neighbors who are uh, guilty of that. And Mm. I'm like, hey, I'm going to get skinned. (laughs) Oh, God. That's happening. What are you, like a size 10? Like, yeah, I am. And I rub the lotion on my skin every day. So oh, no. I am oh, a prime no. candidate for being a lampshade. <laughs> I'd wear a belt of your nipples, though. I yeah. mean, it has to be a wide belt. Yeah. <laughs> my areolas are enormous. <laughs> Saucers. And you can wear a whole shirt out of them. Yeah. <laughs> Two beautifully crafted yarmulkes could be made from my nipples. <laughs> which is my wedding gift to Kenyon and Zach. Oh, like a hunting good. cap with ear flaps that are just your nipples. <laughs> anyway, yes. <laughs> okay. So, a whole bra. All <laughs> right. So, <laughs> C cups. Okay. Um, so he whispers to himself that he's going to kill the couple. And the cup, it's thought that the couple heard this. And then they were like, okay, we're, we're just going to fight like hell. Because if he's going to kill us anyway, yes, like there's yes. no point in complying with his demands. Mm-hmm. Um, so the woman screamed and the intruder actually fled on his bicycle. And then police Bang. were nearby and they pursued him on foot, but he still got away. How the fuck? Because he's on a bike and they're on foot. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But still, that's like, he is a slippery little worm. Yeah, Yeah. but there were so many close calls and so many, like, eyewitnesses of him escaping various times and still never caught. Unbelievable. Crazy. Okay, then on December 30th, Robert Offerman and Deborah Manning were found shot dead in Robert's condo, also in Galetta. Mm-hmm. Um, it appeared that Robert had broken free of his bindings and lunged at the attacker before being killed. I believe. Oh yeah, they were both shot. Um, this is awful. 
Tragically, neighbors heard the gunshots but did nothing, thinking they were, quote, innocuous. What? What Innocuous gunshots? What gunshots in the middle of the night are innocuous? Ugh. It's not fucking target practice in your backyard. In, like, a fairly urban area. In a suburban, yeah, area, like fucking cul-de-sacs and shit. Yikes. No. Okay, so physical evidence left after the pursuit of um, the suspect. Okay, so physical evidence from these murders was linked to the physical evidence left by the suspect that fled the previous attempted break-in. Does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. Um, Okay. So obviously this was another close call for the man now known as the Night Stalker, but just two and a half months later, he strikes again, raping and then murdering Charlene Smith and her husband, Lyman Smith. The couple were bludgeoned with a log. Did he rape both of them? No, no, no. He only raped the women. Okay. Um... And always in a, always with a man in a separate room. Uh, but he used a log, which is like very Ted Bundy of him. Yeah, that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Um, and their wrists were bound with an intricate Chinese knot matching that of the East Area Rapist case. Oh, so now we're linking things back. Yes, so now oh, is when, like, alarm bells start to go off with some of the investigators, like, hey, I think this is the same person, and then other investigators were like, no, this guy attacks couples, that guy only attacked women home alone, you know, mm-hmm. so it was but debated. people evolve. Yeah. 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 Okay. In August, another rape and double homicide by bludgeoning, I think also with a log, um, and this was a... The couple were um, Keith and Patrice Briscoe, and they'd only been married for three months. Oh, babies. They were newlyweds. It's so Mm -hmm. sad. How Um, many people has he killed so far? Like a dozen? Yeah, in total, it's... it's, I've read varying reports between 11 and 13 Mm -hmm. deaths (sighs) attributed to him. And it could be more. We don't know. You know, if it goes yeah. back to six, well, six, 68 to 74, they don't think he killed anyone, but we'll, we'll see. We don't know. We'll see. You know? Mm-hmm. In February 1981, Manuela Witun was raped and murdered in her home while her husband was staying in the hospital. He had, like, a brief hospital stay for mm-hmm. whatever reason, and the killer obviously, like, knew she was going to be home alone, and... Um, left her he was te- fucking stalking her and knew that her fucking husband was in the hot. Uh, uh, I hate this guy so much. I hate mm-hmm. him. Me too. He left her television in her backyard, possibly in an attempt to make the attack look like a botched robbery. Okay, so he removed the TV from her home and like ditched it in her, in her yard. Yeah. Okay. But as far as I know, nothing else of value was taken. So it's kind of a weird red herring thing. Yeah. yeah. Do you think he did that on purpose just to, yes, you know, vary things? Sounds like it. Yeah. Um, then in July, uh, Sherry Domingo and Gregory Sanchez are murdered in Gregory's home. 
Um, and it's believed that Gregory may have refused to be tied up because he didn't have any ligature marks. Um, and he was bludgeoned with a garden tool, and then Sherry was raped and then shot. Jesus and Christ, then, this is so savage. Yeah. It's just terrible. And Gregory's body was covered with clothes pulled from the closet. Ew. Because uh-uh. obviously, like, the way that he likes to do it is to have the man still alive and aware that his wife or girlfriend is being raped in the next right. room, and then right. he murders them both. But this guy fucked up his plan and was dead already when he raped Sherry, and that wasn't what he wanted, so he had to hide the body and cover it up. For his own psychological yeah. giggles? I mean, that's my theory on it, but yeah. Wow. Um, okay. Finally, on May 4th, 1986, Janelle Cruz was found bludgeoned to death with a pipe wrench in her home after having been raped. Her family was out of town on vacation, um, and a friend had been over in the evening, and they heard strange noises, but they wrote them off, and then the friend left around midnight. Strange noises. So, obviously, he was already, like, prowling around. Yeah. Um, Janelle's... Maybe I will file a police report. Yeah. Please please do. Please (laughs) fucking do. Yeah. Somebody was in your home that shouldn't be there while you were showering. You need to file a police report. It was me. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for pepperoni. And watching you shower. We've been over this. God, what's the big deal? It's not even a thing. We're best friends. This Why is normal. Why are you normal. making it a thing? Yeah. Okay, that, girl. Is that not calm normal? Calm down. You're being hysterical. Glad you found the pepperoni. I think she's Pass on her period. Some. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Janelle's younger sister, so this is the last known victim, murder victim. Janelle's younger sister recently reported, quote, I haven't been home alone in my house for 32 years. I've been oh living in fear and my mom too. Uh, wow. Wow. Okay. Ugh. All right. Little bit of justice. Little bit of justice. On I'm Wednesday. a little bit justice. I'm a little <laughs> bit rock and roll. <laughs> uh, you be the pretty. I'll be the funny. No. Um, okay. I'm the mayor. Eh? So on Wednesday, April 25th, 2018, the Sacramento district attorney announced that 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo, fuckface, primo number one, um, had been arrested and charged with the original Night Stalker murders and additional indictments were likely coming, so probably for the East Area Rapist rapes. Um, the miracle break in this case, or rather slew of cases, came when a recently retired investigator and forensic expert, Paul Holes, and if you listen to my favorite... Holes? Holes, holes like a hole. Okay. Like the hole in your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Like how you got multiple holes in your body. I'm going to need to check inside your asshole. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Band over. Um, okay, so if you listen to My Favorite Murder like I do, then they've made like a huge thing of this Paul Holes thing because Karen is has like a crush on him and he is quite attractive. And then they had I'm him on the show. Right so anyway, now. it's a whole it's been a whole thing. Paul Holes. It's been a holes thing. Oh god. It's been a handsome thing. Okay. Yeah. So he was, uh, he had worked on this case throughout his career for like 25 years. And then after he retired, he dedicated more time to it. And he searched a free do it yourself genealogy website called GED Match. Oh my God. You guys, I Googled him and I'm looking at his picture and there's one with a heart around his face. And it said, it says, Hashtag hot for holes. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's Wait. like murderinos. Wasn't he at CrimeCon? Yeah, he was at CrimeCon. Yeah, we saw him. Yeah. Yep. Did we? Yeah. I didn't I go I up and remember that. I didn't meet him because I hadn't. We saw him wandering. Yeah, I wasn't like plugged in or tuned into this case yet. Hot for holes. I found it. Yep. So that's the My Favorite it. Murder stiff. Okay. So. The website that he looked at has a database of 800,000 voluntary DNA samples Mm -hmm. and distant cousins, like fourth cousins of Joseph James D'Angelo had contributed. Oh, my God. And it was it was a fucking match or like a partial match. And then they then they got some discarded DNA samples from D'Angelo himself, probably because he lived in the area and was the right age. So wait, back up. Where did they get his DNA from all of these different crime scenes? From the rapes. From oh, some okay. from multiple rapes, I'm pretty sure they had um DNA evidence. But the ones where he before he was raping people, that he was wearing gloves and stuff. They don't have it for all the home invasions. It's possible they just that he was just think. linked to those crimes because of like the evidence. The MO. Yeah, the yeah. MO. But then okay. they didn't start collecting the DNA until he's escalated into raping people. Correct. Gotcha. So they yeah. don't have DNA evidence for these earlier, like the breaking and entering. As far as I know, they don't. But it was such okay. a similar MO that they've been linked. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but yeah, they they have it for these multiple rapes because as far as I know, he never used a condom in the in the raping why yeah why would he right it was the 70s i fucking hate him also i'm pretty sure he's a non-secretor which was what the technology at the time was that they if if someone was a secretor they could tell the blood type but he was a non-secretor so they couldn't tell the blood type. does that mean we'll get it'll be its own episode he can't come no, he could come. He just, you couldn't tell his... He could secrete. <laughs> no, he's he just, a non-secreter. But you uh, can't... No, no, no. He'd be <laughs> jammed up. He can ejaculate, but that ejaculate does not have his blood type information in it. Whatever. He's got a cork in it. All right. So. Weird. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> okay, so we're, I'm not going to go too far into this DNA database thing because that deserves to be its own episode, that, like, forensic new technique. Mm-hmm. Um, but more on Joseph James D'Angelo. He was a former police officer. That's right. Oh, yeah. that is so disgusting. So thoroughly disgusting. Um, he worked in Auburn, California, just 35 minutes outside Sacramento. 
He had a degree in criminal justice. Yep. Oh, my God. Um, but he'd been fired from the police department after being caught shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent, which were what obviously... What dog repellent? Is it like mosquito repellent? It's like a spray that dog. dogs don't like. It's like a Jesus. scent that dogs don't like, and so he probably... It was, pr- it was definitely part of his for murder Getting kit. into houses, yeah, for That's sure. That's what I secrete. Dog yeah. repellent. Dog repellent. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh my god um okay so that was in 1979 and he didn't like put up a fuss when he got fired from the police department for this shoplifting probably because he didn't want people to like dig into why he was shoplifting these items okay you know yeah so after he was fired from being a police officer, he worked as a truck mechanic for 27 years and he was married his wife was an attorney. Um, they had three daughters, and now he has at least one grandchild. His daughters are, like, very intelligent. One is a doctor. One's a Ph.D., like, you know, yeah. whatever. Everyone yeah. says that he was a, quote, good dad. Of fucking course. Like BTK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he looks like a fucking creep. Mm-hmm. Um, it appears that he and his wife separated in 1991, but it doesn't seem like they're officially divorced. Maybe they are now after this all came away. I would hope so. Can you imagine? No. I, I mean, you hear so many horror stories about people just like, you never fucking know who you're married to. It's unbelievable. I'll say. Do you even know Zach and Corey? <laughs> Do you even know your husbands? I mean, come I don't on. think so. We've been together a long time. Doesn't matter. So Doesn't matter. was the East Area rapist. Just right. saying. Yeah. No, it's freaky. Thanks for telling me this two weeks Happy before my wedding, wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> Have you my ever speech. Googled your fiance? How well can you really know someone? I'm going to submit his Cheers DNA to the happy couple. To a website. I am your, buying you 23andMe. Like a year of 23andMe <laughs> so you can track each other. I love uh, it. Okay. Yeah. I got you, baby. Well, you really I don't know my dad, know. so maybe he's one of these fucking... Maybe it's Joseph James D'Angelo. I don't fucking know. All right. If your dad is Paul Holes, I'm sorry, but some awkward shit's going to go down between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fuck my maybe, my hypothetical oh, dad? Good God. I would be ecstatic if your dad was Paul Holes. <laughs> it's not. You don't we know. don't know. We don't know. There's no okay. way to know. So... D'Angelo was reportedly, quote, very surprised when oh, the bet. authorities arrived at his door in Citrus Heights to arrest him some 40 years or possibly more since yeah. he began his crimes. I um, mean, I guess I would be surprised, too. He got away with so much shit for so long. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then and the police so show old. up. Everybody... Yeah. Fucking killers and murderers and serial killers and serial rapists, watch the fuck out because yeah. we have fucking DNA profiling now and we you're coming. all fucked. We coming. Okay. So, um, interestingly, his name had never come up in the investigations before. They had they had followed thousands of various leads but never even looked tips. at him. Nope. Wow. Um, but... 
he matched both the physical and psychological profiles in important ways. So physically, go to the drive, look at photos. Ugh. Oh, God. Oh. I don't want to. Wow, these sketches are crazy accurate. Right? I know. Like, you can even tell with his old man face how yeah. accurate the young sketch of him probably was. The nose. The nose with, like, is the one, perfect. With the one nose nostril being, like, folded a little bit. It's it's spot on. The thin lips. Yep. Yeah. Everything. That's yeah, crazy. the nose. Wow. The, the nose is spot on. The mm -hmm. ears even. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay, so he matched the physical profile, like, to a fucking T. Um, and then he also matched the psychological profile. So he had been a police officer. He had knowledge of evidence-gathering techniques and how to, like, evade detection. Yeah. He would served in the Navy, and he had an intricate, like, knot-tying skills. So, mm -hmm. like, the, the diamond knot killer and the Chinese knots that were used. Um he was motivated, they think, by sexual violence. Mm -hmm. And there have been a lot of, like, hashtag fucking patriarchy news articles, like, essentially blaming this woman that he had been engaged to yes. who left yes. him. And it's like, fuck off. Yeah, like, that's... fuck off. It is not I would a leave someone who had, a, who had a penchant for sexual violence also. Mm -hmm. Well, no, they, yeah, the articles were saying that it's, like, her fault that yeah. she drove him to violent, like, sexual violence because... Yeah, by leaving him? By leaving yeah. him. By yeah. daring to break off their engagement, it then, like, fueled his hatred of women. Mm -hmm. and Yeah, but that shit doesn't come out of nowhere. No, no. of course not. Like, I'm absolutely sure that he not. was doing some fucked up shit to her. No, absolutely. But the that's newspapers what I, that's are all I pieces saying. of shit. Right. And also, they were together in 1970, and I, I don't know which right. year they broke up, but around then. And he might have even been a voyeur in 1968. You know, it's like, it's just the press trying to link it to some woman and blame a woman for a man's decades of violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Uh, what else? He kept keepsakes from the crimes and investigators are searching for these now in his home. And for all we know, they've, they've found a bunch, I, but they're not releasing that information. And one last note. So the reason that Emily Bushy, our fan pick this week, chose this case was because the Golden State Killer slashed all these other nicknames was a regular at a restaurant where she worked. No. Uh, no. no, Emily, no. No. Yep. No. And the staff had ironically nicknamed this man, this customer, Joseph James D'Angelo, quote, Mr. Happy, because he was such a fucking, like, sourpuss asshole. I oh. fucking cannot. I yeah. can't. Can you, I can't. It's like fucking full body goosebumps. I am looking in my mind's eye at all of my regulars at my restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And thinking, which one? Yeah. Which one are you? Mm-hmm. It's Patrick. Who's Patrick to say there's only you. one? Gather some discarded DNA samples from like their glasses and just run them through some databases. I am going to bring so much 
fucking scotch tape to work now and just take tape lifts <laughs> of like lip <laughs> prints and fingerprints on like oh it's done it's it is on. done yeah you're all going down <laughs> mr happy i see you Holy shit. I wow. know you. So that's the fucking Golden State Killer, and I know it was long. It's a doozy. I mean, so many home invasions, 50 rapes, yeah, possibly I, 13 murders. It's it's crazy that one man could cause so much fucking mayhem and violence. Too fucking much. I think the creepiest part of this whole thing is the couple hearing him whisper, I'm going to kill him. Oh, the whispering is so fucking creepy. The dishes is creepy. I hate, the I hate, stamps I hate and medallions is creepy. No. Nope. All of it. All of it. Nope. The stalking nope. for months and months. Lucy, nope. please tell me you're going to call the police. Yeah, I actually have to go right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, before you do. Yep. Great. A word from our sponsor. Zola, the wedding company that will do anything for love, is reinventing the wedding planning and registry experience to make the happiest moment in couples' lives even happier. From engagement to wedding and decorating your first home, Zola is there, combining compassionate customer service with modern tools and technology, all in the service of love. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with their free, easy-to-use suite of wedding planning tools. You can create a free wedding website, register at their store, and so, so much more. Zola's Mm -hmm. store has the widest selection of gifts for every room of your home, including bathrooms, I checked, at all different Mm -hmm. price Mm -hmm. price points. Mm -hmm. So you can also create cash funds for anything you want, like a honeymoon... Or a puppy, mm-hmm. yep. or a kitten, or a home down payment. I'm getting Kenyan <laughs> many puppies for her present. <laughs> I am It's going to be a full-on bridesmaids situation. I'm going to saddle you with adult <laughs> dogs. <laughs> yeah. I rescued 30 dogs in your name. <laughs> and we'll be arriving next week. Bye. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Thanks for hosting us. Um, there's a gift for every guest uh, to give from Kitchen Must Have. Sorry. There is a gift that every guest can give from Kitchen Must Haves to the fluffiest bedding and cool home decor and an amazing group gifting feature that lets multiple guests contribute to big ticket items. Great it's idea. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is amazing. Um, this episode will come out right after my wedding, but uh, we're recording it before my wedding, and I can attest we have used Zola for the free wedding website. Uh, we've put all of our information on it for guests who are traveling from abroad, so they know all of the information. They're not sending you a million frantic emails. They just have it all in one place. It's a beautiful template. It's easy to use. We are not tech-savvy folks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um And I cannot say enough about the registry. Zola has such an amazing collection of different uh, items. There are also uh, deals for, you know, percentages off after your wedding. So if there's some items left over on your registry that you want to purchase yourself, you can get a discount off of those. So For a lot of items, they offer free shipping. So your guests' money, you know, goes a lot farther for their Mm -hmm. gift. Um, and the collection is just huge, and they have all the big name brands. So anything you could possibly imagine under the sun, they have it. Um, we've picked a ton of gifts from their collection. We've also added more specialty items from other websites, like we've added some Judaica 
from other websites onto our registry. We've done the group gifting thing, so we want to get um, a custom chair to replace the chair that I painted no. blue and ruined. Oh, um, <laughs> I'm so, so sad to hear that. <laughs> so that is a group gift, so people can contribute uh, various amounts, whatever amount they want towards that. It's just so convenient. It's all in one place, and it's all free. It's incredible. So uh, to sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to Zola.com forward slash gals. That's Z-O-L-A dot com forward slash G-A-L-S. And you get a $50 credit towards your registry. I use my credit towards a set of uh, Wusthof knives mm, that are nice. awesome. Ooh, amazing. Uh, it's incredible. So yeah, Z-O-L-A dot com forward slash gals. Treat your wedding. <laughs> Good one. Okay. Nice save. And now a word from yet another sponsor. <laughs> Songfinch is a personalized gifting company that brings stories, feelings, and memories to life through, through one-of-a-kind songs. With personalized songs starting at $99 and delivered within seven days, their community of professional songwriters will handcraft the best gift you can give. Mm-hmm. That's amazing to get a personalized song mm-hmm. for $99 and yeah. it only takes their songwriter seven days to get it to you. It's such an amazing mm-hmm. gift idea. I can't, mm-hmm. it's so unique and special. I can't get over it. Um, Songfinch's songwriting community uh, has over 350 uh, different professional musicians and that community is growing. So there will be an artist in that community that can mm-hmm. can create the type of song that you're looking for. So any genre, any style, they've got it. Mm-hmm. Um, your song also lives on a personal URL called Your Story Homepage and you can listen and download the song, read the lyrics, learn about the songwriter, which mm-hmm. is cool, and also share your song with loved ones or on your social media platforms, whatever you want. Yeah. This serious this uh, <laughs> This service is seriously so cute and such a touching personal gift for someone that you love. So keep Songfinch in mind the next time you're shopping for a birthday, a graduation, an anniversary gift, like if your parents are celebrating a crazy Aww. anniversary and you want to get a yeah. song made for them. Cute. How freaking cute oh, is that? Oh my god. Your mom will definitely cry. Happy yeah. cry. Yeah, exactly. Um, or mm-hmm. if you just want to send like a loving surprise to somebody special in your life. Um, I also think it would be kind of funny if you broke up with someone from Songfinch, <laughs> but maybe that's just where my head is at right now. Um, so like if someone you uses the service to, to do days. that, yeah, just please contact me, slide into my DMs and let me know how that went. To get $20 off your personalized song from scratch, go to songfinch.com and use the promo code GALS at checkout. Once again, that's $20 off your personalized song from scratch by going to songfinch.com, S-O-N-G-F-I-N-C-H.com and using promo code G-A-L-S, GALS at checkout. Kenyon, I got... Treat your loved ones. Kenyon, I got this for you for your wedding and I will be personally performing it. (gasps) Oh my god! Yes. Just kidding, I didn't. Don't I made. Even. I wrote a song myself. Now I'm gonna take the reins. Oh god! We're going to jolly old England. Mm-hmm. This case is so freaking long that I didn't have time to do a geography lesson, but I was considering doing one. <laughs> 
trying um, to steal my shtick. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, I wanted to bring some joy to this day, but uh, no such luck. I, okay. I, I, I'm, I'm not bringing any joy. Um, we're going to talk about Dennis Nielsen, the kindly killer. Oh, I don't like that. No. no. Oh, my God. Gross. Okay. I just quickly. I was on a chat with a Google support person yesterday to figure something out. Mm-hmm. And every, I think he was maybe located in India, mm-hmm. but he kept he kept saying like, "Kindly click the you know <gasps> admin console, kindly do it's this, Dennis. kindly go to this URL." The it's kindly Dennis. killer. The His kindly name was Kenneth. Google employee killer. He was very nice. Well, <laughs> that's not always a good thing. I don't like it. So Dennis, I'm reporting him too. Dennis Andrew Nielsen was born on the 23rd of November in 1945 in Fraserburg, Aberdeenshire. Ooh. He was the second of three children, and his parents later divorced, and his mom remarried and had four more kiddos. And all nine of members of this family shared a small flat together in the town of Stricken, which sounds like hell. <laughs> Both the town. I'm stricken by this town's name. I'm fucking stricken and fully shooketh by this situation. (laughs) Um, At the onset of puberty, Nielsen discovered that he was homosexual, which initially confused and shamed him. He kept his sexuality hidden from his family and his very few friends. And he later stated that because many of the boys to whom he was attracted looked like his younger sister, Sylvia... Oh no! Oh no! That's weird. On oh, one it's occasion, like a Trump thing. He sexually fondled his sister, believing that his attraction toward boys might be a manifestation of the care he felt for her. Nope. No. Uh, no, not he okay. He made no efforts to seek sexual contact with any of the peers um, to which he was actually sexually attracted. Like he didn't go after any of the boys that he knew. Right. Um, but he later said he had been fondled by an older boy and did not find the experience unpleasant, which okay. like been there. Um, on one occasion, he also caressed and fondled the body of his older brother as he slept. As a result of this, his older brother, Olav Jr., began to suspect that his brother was homosexual and regularly belittled Dennis in public, referring cool. to him as a... Yeah, I know. Helpful. Um, however, it's like... You're being sexually molested by your brother. It's hard to, it's hard to justify really any of the behavior in this situation. It's all really fucked up. Yeah. Um, and Olaf was referring to Dennis as hen, which is Scottish slang for like girl. Right. So it's like a hen like party. Pussy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as Nilsson progressed into adolescence, he found life in Stricken increasingly stifling and began to resent the fact that his family was poorer than the other people in his town and that is you know poorer than his friends he didn't have people over to his house um and felt like his mom and stepdad made no effort to better their lifestyles so he decided at the age of 14 that he's going to join the army cadet force as a chef um and saw the british army as a potential avenue for escaping his rural origins so like go for it well it is for a lot of people it It is is for sure it is a way to yeah yeah Get started in life, yeah. Mm -hmm. So he enlisted for nine years of service in September of 1961 and started his training with the Army Catering Corps at St. Omer Barracks in Aldershot. Catering Corps? Yeah, he was a chef. I do that. My grandpa Mm -hmm. was a chef in the Korean War. Yeah, and this motherfucker, like, crushed it. He excelled in the Army and described, like, his three years of training at Aldershot as the happiest of his life. He later went on to, like, 
cook for the Queen's Royal Guard. Like, it's crazy. He wow. did really, he did well. Um, while he was stationed at Aldershot, Nielsen's latent homosexual feelings began to stir, but he kept his sexual orientation hidden from his colleagues. Don't ask, don't tell. Right, right. Um, Nielsen never showered in the company of his fellow soldiers for fear of developing an erection in their presence and instead opted to bathe alone in the bathroom, which also afforded him the privacy to masturbate without discovery. Uh huh. And I'm sure I mean, everybody noticed that, like, yeah. he did that. And yeah. 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 What, what um, are you going to do? Th- yeah. I mean, he's doing the best he can to just hide it. Later, he was deployed to Aden, South Yemen, where he was given his own room. And here, in having his own room, he's got all this privacy to develop fantasies of sex with an unresistant unres- or deceased partner. Uh. Mm-hmm. Unresistant or yeah. deceased, yeah, yowza, and not having a partner that fit that bill, he masturbated like as he looked at his own like prone naked body in a mirror, just like trying not to move as much as possible, so that he looked while he masturbated, dead. yeah. So he That's... was it was it part of his like repressed homosexuality that like. It's not gay if they're dead, kind of. I have no idea. I really don't know what sparked these fantasies and the escalation of such, but it happened. Yeah, not here to yuck someone's yum, but the necrophilia. It's a little bit of a line draw. A little bit of a line draw. I don't think it is. You know, I think it's okay to yuck the yum of a necrophile. I'm going to well, go ahead and say it's fine. Also, if I think someone's if it's stu- dead, they can't give consent, and therefore you can yuck that yum mm. if it's non-consensual. Mm. I think that if it's just a fantasy and it stays that way, sure. I mean, you do you, but obviously this story is about to go Correct. real south. Correct. So. If, yeah, if you are in a situation with a partner who is consenting to, like, you know. Pretend play to be dead. Being unresistant. Then that's great. That's your own Enjoy. thing. It's consensual. Do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's so, odd that he did it in a mirror. In a mirror. Well, I mean, he, he's visual. He wanted to see. And it was a while ago, so it's not like he had like nowadays. No, it's I'm in the seventies. Sure you can can't just pull out his iPhone porn. and yeah. you know, look at Mrs. and Jemmy's Instagram account and masturbate. Right. I'm just saying, masturbating to yourself in any capacity is a little odd. But I do it, it all the time. <laughs> what? So get on my level. You anyway. are Alana. <laughs> Nilsson was selected to cook for the Queen's Royal Guard, and, and in January 1971, he was reassigned to serve as a cook for a different regiment in the Shetland Islands, where he ended his 11-year military career at the rank of corporal in 1972. That's uh, yeah, so, like, crushed. Between October and December of 1972, Nilsson moved back home to live with his family and uh, just, like, consider what he's going to do next for his career. And on more than one occasion, in the three months that he was living back and stricken with his family, his mom, as mothers can be wont to do, mm. voiced her opinion as to her being more concerned with Nilsson's lack of female companionship than the career path that he should next opt to take oh, and God, of her desire to see back, him marry mom. and start a family. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Back off. Yep. yep. Older brother Olaf Jr. fucking outs him as homosexual to his family, which causes like massive issues in the home. So Nilsson moves out again, never speaks to his older brother Olaf again. 
mm-hmm. and maintains only sporadic written contact with his mom, step stepfather, and younger siblings. Since they basically That's were like, nope, we don't approve of this. That's so um, sad. And if this individual, I mean, who knows, but if this individual had grown up in a time and in a society where it was fine mm-hmm. to be gay and live your life and do your Could thing be very different love story. Love. Yeah, Could exactly. be a very different story. Um, so he decided to join the Metropolitan Police and move to London in December of 1972 to start the training. In November of 1975, Nielsen encountered a 20-year-old named David Gallican being threatened outside a pub by two other men. Nilsson intervened in the altercation and took the youth to his room at 80 Teenmouth Road in the Cricklewood District of London. I'm sorry, Teenmouth? T-E-I-G-N-M-O-U-T-H. So it's like teen or tain mouth. Let's go with tain. Nope, teen mouth. Ick. Cricklewood. The two men spent the evening drinking and talking, and Nilsson learned that Gallican had recently moved to London from Western Supermare and was homosexual, unemployed, and resided in a hostel. The following morning, both men, because it's the gays, so we got to move quick. The next day, they decided to move in together in a larger residence. That's more of a lesbian move. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And uh, they go and get a bigger property and they move in um they picked a ground floor flat at 195 melrose avenue also located in cricklewood are they romantically together or are they just like we're gonna get there okay um and they decide to move into this property initially nilson experienced domestic contentment with gallican within a year of their moving into the melrose avenue flat the superficial relationship between the two men began to strain Gotcha. They slept in separate beds and both began to bring home casual sexual partners and they had been sleeping together, but not like, I don't know. They were together, but not together. It was weird. Okay. Gallican insisted that Nielsen had never been violent towards him, but he was regularly berated by Nielsen. And by early 1976, the pair began arguing with increasing frequency. Um, Nielsen later said that following a heated argument in May of 1977, he demanded that Gallican leave the residence, but Gallican maintains that like he broke up with him. <laughs> by, which, like, I get that. By late 1978, Nilsson was living there. a solitary existence. He had a minimum of three failed relationships in the previous 18 months. Been there, too. And yeah, he later whatever. confessed to having developed an increasing conviction that he was unfit to live with. Hi. Oh. oh, stop. <laughs> you just are crushing kidding. it. I know. Yeah. I just fart a lot. That's all. The yeah. night yeah. farter. You kind of are unfit to live with. I am. (laughs) Um, Throughout 1978, he devoted an ever-increasing amount of his time and effort into his work, and most evenings he spent alone drinking and listening to music. So, like, super relatable. Nielsen killed his first victim, Mm. 14-year-old Stephen Holmes, on December 30th, 1978. So, like, super relatable. Yep. That escalated quickly. It sure did. Holmes and Nielsen bumped into each other in the Cricklewood Arms pub, where Holmes had been Near unsuccessfully, yeah. Where Holmes had been unsuccessfully trying to buy alcohol. Um, according to Nielsen, he'd been he Nielsen had been drinking heavily alone on the day he met Holmes before deciding in the evening that he must quote at all costs leave his flat and seek company. So he'd been at home like boarded up, and he needed to go out, and he bumps into this kid. Mm-hmm. Um, because the kid can't be served at the pub, he invites him back to his house to drink with him and believed him to be approximately 17 years old, claims he didn't know he was 14. 
At, Nil- at Nilsson's home, both Nilsson and Holmes drink heavily before they fall asleep. The following morning, Nilsson awakes to find Holmes sleeping in his bed. And Nielsen stated he was, quote, afraid to wake him in case he left me. After caressing the sleeping Holmes, Nielsen Uh decided that he had to, quote, stay with me over the new year whether he wanted to or not. Ask him. Maybe he does. Maybe uh, invite him before you kill him. Maybe it's just easier for Nielsen to reach for a necktie, straddle Holmes, and strangle him into unconsciousness before drowning him in a bucket filled with water. Oh, my God. Mm. No, not easier. Then twice masturbates over his body before stowing his corpse beneath his floorboards. Okay. Good Christ. Yep. Holmes bound the corpse. Holmes bound corpse remained beneath the floorboards for almost eight months before Nielsen (gasps) built a bonfire in the garden behind his flat and burned it on August 11th of 1979. Did, that so, would he, have reeked. Didn't well, he still we talk have about that, that roommate? Yeah, okay. No, that they had broken up and yeah, he moved they, out. He moved out. He moved out. Okay, okay. Um, unfit to live with, remember? Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, Nielsen okay. stated that having killed Holmes, quote, I caused dreams which caused death. This is my crime. Adding that he had, quote, started down the avenue of death and procession, possession of a new kind of flatmate, like a dead one. Oh, oh yeah. no. Yuck. On October 11th, 1979, Nilsson attempted to murder a student from Hong Kong named Andrew Ho, whom he had met in a St. Martin's Lane pub and lured to his flat on the promise of sex. Nilsson attempted to strangle Ho, who managed to flee from his flat and reported the incident to police. Nilsson was questioned in relation to the incident, but Ho decided not to press charges. Because so he one. was scared that yep. he was going to be mistreated by police because he was gay. Correct. Two months after. And foreign. Yep. Yeah. Two months after this attempted murder, on December 3rd, 1979, Nielsen encountered a 23-year-old Canadian student named Kenneth Kenneth Ockenden, who had been on a tour of England visiting relatives. Nielsen encountered Ockenden as they were both drinking in a West End pub. Upon learning the the kid was a tourist, Nielsen offered to show Ockenden, like, all around London, show him the sights, Uh. um, which Ockenden accepted. Nielsen then invited him to his house on the promise of a meal and further drinks. He was adamant that he couldn't recall the precise moment he strangled Ockenden, but recalled that he strangled him with a cord, with the cord of his headphones as Ockenden listened to music. <gasps> yeah. Oh my God. I have my headphones on right now. Same audio. Oh, so the guy just really just did not see it coming. Was nope. just chilling. He also recalled dragging him across his floor with the wire wrapped around his neck as he strangled him before pouring himself a glass of rum and continuing to listen to music upon the headphones with which he had strangled Ockenden. Oh! Oh! oh. Yeah. This oh. is some American psycho Patrick Bateman shit. Oh, it gets worse, because the next day, he buys a Polaroid camera and photographs Ockenden's body in various suggestive positions. He then lays Ockenden's corpse spread-eagled above him on his bed as he watched television for several hours <gasps> before wrapping the body in plastic bags and stowing the corpse once again beneath the floorboards. So on he approximately spent as much time as he could before the body was going to yep. start to, like, go bad. Get funky, Is yep. the fir- Was the first body burned at this point? Yes. Okay. On approximately so four occasions spot. over the following two weeks, Nielsen dis- disinterred Ockenden's body from beneath the floorboards and seated the body upon his armchair alongside him as he watched TV and drank alcohol. 
Oh, oh my god, so he wanted literally god. like he said, Bates he wanted Motel a dead shit. he wanted roommate. a dead roommate. Nielsen killed his third victim, 16-year-old Martin Duffy, on the 17th of May in 1980. Duffy was a catering student from Birkenhead who had hitchhiked to London without his parents' knowledge. Um, and for four days, Duffy had slept uh, near Euston Railway Station. So he was just sort of like sleeping on benches before yeah, Nielsen bumped rough, into yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Um, and Duffy was exhausted. He was hungry. So obviously when this guy is like, come over, I've got a bed and a meal for you. He's like, absolutely. So he goes back to his flat. He falls asleep in Nielsen's bed. Nielsen fashions a ligature around his neck. We're not sure with what. Um, then simultaneously sat on Duffy's chest and tightened the ligature with a great force. Nielsen held his grip until Duffy became unconscious, then dragged him into his kitchen and drowned him in the sink before bathing with the body, which he recollected as being the youngest looking I had ever seen. Oh, oh God. So he was yep. like sort of pedophilic, yep. obviously necrophilic. Yep. Oh. Duffy's body was then placed on a kitchen chair, then moved to the bed where he'd been strangled. Uh, the body was repeatedly kissed, complimented, and caressed by Nielsen, <laughs> both before and after he had masturbated while sitting on the stomach of the corpse. For two days. How do we know hmm? that from his later, like... Yep, he, he tells all. Okay. He tells everything. Jesus. Um, how for two have days, I never heard of this guy? Uh, it's yeah. crazy. This is wacky. For two days, the body of Martin Duffy was stowed in a cupboard before Nilsson noted the uh, kid's body had become bloated. And yeah. therefore, quote, he went straight under the floorboards. Like, I don't want to look at this shit anymore. Yeah, like, oh, you're not a cute child. You're not young and tight anymore. Child. Uh, uh, okay. Yep. Decomp has set in. Following Duffy's murder, Nilsson began to kill with increasing frequency. Before the end of 1980, he killed a further five victims and attempted to murder one other. Only one of these victims whom Nilsson murdered, who is 26-year-old William David Sutherland, had ever been identified. So there were five, four of the five that he killed after this. No one even knew, figured out who they were. Probably because they, they were, were runaways like, or... Yeah. I mean, yeah, it sounds like he's meeting a lot of folks in bars. He's taking in these, like kind of troubled young men it's like it's very and it's you know the fucking early 80s it's easy for this to happen and people who would be willing to go back to his home with him yep. for a meal and a drink yep yeah yep. yeah uh nielsen's recollections of the unidentified victims are vague but he graphically recalled how each victim had been murdered and just how long the body had been retained before dissection he dissected them well yes we'll get there too so with all these like new roommates living under his floorboards. Uh, Things oh got a little nasty in his apartment. He placed deodorants. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know what deodorants, but Good deodorants. Luck. Yeah. Oh, like a room deodorizer. No, 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 I know, but like you'd need Probably a Probably baking soda. Mm -hmm. yeah. That, that was my the... first recreational drug. <laughs> was a room deodorizer. Soda? Oh my god, okay. Oh, doing, a, doing whippets off of a <laughs> fucking Febreze spray. Um, <laughs> so he put deodorants under the floorboards and he sprayed insecticide around his flat about twice a day, but the odor of decay and the presence of flies remained, obviously. Oh my god. In oh late 1980, Nielsen removed and dissected the bodies of each victim killed since December 1979 and burned them, burned them 
upon a communal bonfire that he had constructed on waste ground behind his flat mm-hmm. to disguise the smell of the burning flesh of the six dis- <coughs> sorry of the six dissected bodies Nielsen crowned the bonfire with old car tires Oh, to make it smell like rubber, yep. burning rubber. Yeah. Oh, smart, three, but gross. Smart. Three neighborhood children stood to watch this bonfire, and Nielsen later wrote in his memoirs that he felt it would have seemed, quote, in order if he had seen three children dancing around a mass funeral pyre. Oh, he's he so is delusional. Yeah, Odd. he's a little off. When the bonfire had begun to reduce to ashes and cinders, Nielsen used a rake to search the debris for any recognizable bones, because as we know, they don't all get burned yeah, up. Yeah, the teeth. Yep. Look for the mm-hmm. teeth. Yep. The Noting pulp. a skull was still intact, he smashed it to pieces with his rake. So he was trying to do his due diligence. Okay. Um, around January 4th, 1981, Nielsen encountered an unidentified man whom he described for investigators as a, quote, 18-year-old blue-eyed young scat, like Scottish guy, uh-huh. At the Golden Lion Pub in Soho, he was <clears throat> he was lured to the flat on Melrose Avenue on the promise of partaking in a drinking contest, which, like, I would yeah. fall for that. Totally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. I'm just thinking about all the, like, random apartments I've gone to oh my to God. drink. So many. Oh, so God. many. I don't know how we've survived. I don't know either. After Nielsen and his victim had consumed several beverages, Nielsen strangled him with a tie, a necktie. That was, like, his kind of favorite go-to thing. Yeah. Um, and subsequently placed the body beneath the floorboards. Nielsen is known to have informed his employers that he was sick and unable to work on January 12th so that he could dissect both this victim and another unidentified victim that he had killed approximately one month earlier. Took a day so, off. Yeah, stayed he home. Wanted, took a day off to spend with his corpses. Mm-hmm. The final victim to be murdered at the flat on Melrose Avenue was a 23-year-old man named Malcolm Barlow, um, who Nielsen discovered slumped against a wall outside of uh, his home in on September 17th of 1981. When Nielsen inquired as to Barlow's welfare, like, what the fuck are you doing out here? He was informed yeah. that the medication that Barlow was prescribed for for his epilepsy had caused his legs to weaken. Nielsen oh. informed Barlow that he should be in the hospital and supporting him, walks him to his residence, oh. calls an ambulance. What? The following day... He gets him to the hospital, so like he does. The following day, he's released from the hospital, comes back to Nilsson's home to thank him, is oh. invited inside. No. Eats a meal, has a rum and coke, falls asleep on Nilsson's sofa. Probably drugged, maybe? Are we was guessing? he drugged? No, but I mean, it didn't say that he was drugged, but like a day after getting out of the hospital, they keep you like awake around the clock. You're so tired. I could s- easily see sure. how this could happen after a sure. meal and a cocktail. Especially um, if he was still on the same meds, which exactly. obviously made him something. Mm-hmm. Weak so already. while uh. he was sleeping, Nielsen strangled him and uh, stowed his body beneath his kitchen sink. Got the man to the hospital for help. Yep, and then killed him the next day. Wow. Unbelievable. In mid-1981, Nielsen's landlord decides to renovate the uh, Melrose Avenue flat and asks Nielsen to vacate the property. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, you'd think, you'd think, but just wait. Oh, great. Um, He initially resisted. He didn't want to move out, but he was offered 1,000 pounds from his landlord, so he was like, Okay. I'll do that. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Um, He 
gets a new place. It's an attic flat at 23 Cranley Gardens in the Muswell Hill district of North London. Mm-hmm. But did the, day- the did the landlord want to renovate because that place fucking reeked? Probably. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Um, But the day before he left the Melrose property, he burned and dissected the bodies of the last five victims that he had killed um, on another bonfire that he constructed behind his apartment and uh, used the tires to cover the smell. Yeah. And like, so he got everything out from under the floorboards of the old apartment and then moves into this attic apartment, you know, a couple miles away. Right. Well, as so, we know from Scott's recent experience, just because yeah. the body is gone does not mean the smell is gone. No, yeah, the smell not. lingers for yeah, sure. So he's in his new flat at Cranley Gardens, and he has no access to a garden out back. So it's like to burn you're burning. Bodies. Yeah, you have to change up your routine. Um, and he's in an attic and not a garden level now. So he's not able to stow bodies under his floorboards. He's got to like completely change up his situation. For almost two months, any acquaintances Nielsen encountered and lured to his flat were not assaulted in any manner because he didn't know how to deal with what the aftermath. What to do, right. Although he did attempt to strangle a 19-year-old student named Paul Nubbs on the 23rd oh. of November in 1981, but he refrained from completing the act, and he got away. Um, in March of 1982, Nielsen encountered a 23-year-old named John Howlett as he was drinking in a pub near uh, his new place in what, I don't know, Leicester Square. I don't know where any of these places are. Um, He lured him to his flat on the promise of continuing to drink, doi, 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 and uh, they basically Netflix and chilled. They get drunk, they're watching a movie, um, and Howlett gets tired. He goes to sleep in in Nielsen's bed. About an hour later, Nielsen unsuccessfully tries to wake him up. Then he sits on the edge of the bed drinking rum as he's, like, staring at him before he decides uh, to kill him. If he starts to drink rum, get the fuck out of there. Yeah, seriously. So there is a struggle in which Howlett did try to strangle Nielsen back, but Nielsen strangled Howlett into unconsciousness with an upholstery strap before returning to his living room, shaking from the stress of the struggle... Uh On three occasions over the following 10 minutes, Nielsen unsuccessfully attempted to kill his victim after noting he had resumed breathing before deciding to fill his bathtub with water and drown him, which he did. He liked the drownings. He was into the drownings. And there are more murders that happen in this apartment, but it's like for the interest of time, I just cut them all, the rest of them out. Right. So here's how he gets discovered. And this is so gross, you guys. Nielsen's murders were first discovered by a plumbing company employee named Michael Catron, who responded to the complaints made by both Nielsen and other tenants of Cranley Gardens regarding the drains of the property being blocked. Oh, no. Opening, so this plumbing company comes out on the 8th of February, 1983, opens a drain cover at the side of the house, and this guy, Michael Catron, discovers the drain is packed with a flesh-like substance <gasps> and numerous small bones of unknown origin. Oh! Yeah. Flesh-like? Flesh-like. I mean, imagine it's been, like, packed in this Rotted. wet, stagnant... What? Uh, and probably Catron reported blood. his suspicions to his supervisor, Gary Wheeler, and as he arrived at the property... To take a peek, Katrin and his supervisor agree to postpone like further investigation of the blockage until the next day because now the sun's going down. So they're like, okay, we don't really know what this is. We have a suspicion of what this is, but we should just come back in the morning and make sure before we freak out about it. 
I plumbers fucking God bless plumbers. I know. Oh, um, they fish out like tampons and shit. All Ooh. kinds of shit. So prior to leaving That's the, the property, Nielsen and a fellow tenant named Jim Al- Alcock, Alcock, literally Alcock. spelled Alcock. Alcock in teen mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Um, convened with Katrin oh, no. to discuss the source of the substance. So basically they're like shooting the shit with this guy and we're like, I don't know what it is. Upon hearing Katrin exclaim how similar the substance was in appearance to human flesh, Nilsson replied, it looks to me like someone has been flushing down their Kentucky fried chicken. Yup. 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 Nilsson said that? Yup. And he knew goddamn well what it was? Oh, a hundred percent. Oh, Jesus. So 7.30 a.m. the next morning, Katrin and his supervisor, uh, Gary Wheeler, come back to the apartment, but the drain had been mysteriously cleared. Oh. This aroused the suspicions of both the drain inspector and his supervisor, and they discovered some scraps of flesh and four bones in a pipe leading from the drain, which linked to the top flat of the house where Uh Nilsson lived. Okay, so um, don't live in an attic bones, if you want to murder people. Yeah, to both of these guys, the bones looked as if they had originated from a human hand. So they oh. called the police, who upon closer inspection discovered further small bones and scraps of what looked to the naked eye like either human or animal flesh in the same pipe leading from the drain. Uh. These remains were taken to the mortuary at Hornsey, where pathologist Professor David Bowen, David Bowie, advised police <laughs> that the remains were indeed human, and that one particular piece of flesh he concluded had been from a human neck bore a ligature mark. So you could see oh my evidence God. of strangulation on a flap of skin that had been concluded to be from a human neck. So he really cut these he bodies apart and then, f- yes. and then flushed them? Correct, because he didn't have the hormones <sighs> to put them under. Like, so he once just he moved cut into them that, into a small piece Once he moved he into could. that uh, attic flat, his M.O. had to change for, in order to compensate for his shit. And then he got cut out. Yep. Oh. So he, yeah. Yeah. So he couldn't burn them either? He didn't have a garden. His yeah, well, last place had a yard go? with like a refuse area where he could, where people could burn garbage. So he had to completely get rid of all of the Through corpses the drain. Yep. in his ha- from his apartment. Yep. And he didn't have Drano or a fucking yep. hooky thing, and he had to call a plumber. Good God. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. So he was taken to the police station by Detective Chief Inspector Jay and his colleagues. <laughs> and Nielsen was asked whether the remains in his flat belonged to one person or two. Staring out of the window of the police car, he replied, 15 or 16 since 1978. Uh, uh, so he just. Uh, no. Isn't that creepy? There's, there's something extra creepy about killers who just admit right away oh yeah in the police car on the way to the station yeah there's something 15 or 16 since 1978 just while he's like gazing longingly out the window yeah there's it's like way creepier when they just give up the info i think because like that just sort of indicates that the murders were such a compulsion yeah. that there wasn't even necessarily something nefarious behind no. the motivation. Yeah. It was just something he had to do. Had to. <gasps> um, investigators found bags in Nielsen's home that contained two dissected torsos, oh. one of which had been vertically dissected, a shopping bag containing various internal organs, 
Um, another bag containing a human skull almost completely devoid of flesh, a severed head, a torso with arms attached but hands missing. Ah. Um, both of the heads were found to have been subjected to, quote, moist heat. What the fuck? A hot attic Did apartment in a plastic bag. He sous veded them? Pro- he sous veded that head. Uh. Uh, Nielsen confessed there were further human remains stowed in a tea chest in his living room with other remains inside an upturned drawer in his bathroom. I mean, they were all over his apartment. That would have reeked mm-hmm. so bad. Yep. The dismembered uh. body parts were the bodies of three men, all of whom he had killed by strangulation, usually with a necktie. One victim he couldn't name, another he knew only as John the Godsman, and the what? third he identified as Stephen Sinclair. Um, he also stated that beginning in December 1978, he had killed, quote, 12 or 13 men at his former address on Melrose Avenue. Couldn't remember. Nielsen, 12 or 13. 12 or 13, give or take. And That's in addition to the 15 or 16 no, at this new place? No, the new place he'd killed, like, four or five people, and at the previous place he'd pil- killed, like, 12 or 13. Okay. So he was so doing the total. He confessed yeah. to, like, 16 murders, but it could have been around, realistically, it was probably around 20. Oh, my Isn't God. Isn't that crazy? Um, wow. He also admitted to having unsuccessfully attempted to kill approximately seven other people who had either escaped or on a few occasions had been at the brink of death but he revived them and allowed them to leave his residence. Because he didn't know what to do with the bodies. Yeah. I mean, can you even imagine, like, figuring out that you were one of the few that escaped this kind of insane, horrifying end? It's so scary. Wow. Um, Did he assault them when they were unconscious? Because wasn't that the reason why he yes. strangled these people? Yep. Typically, he waited until they were, like, really drunk. He did a lot of this stuff to these people while they were sleeping, even strangling them. He would initiate this kind of contact while after they'd already passed out. Yeah, so he was okay. avoiding conflict. He didn't want to get in yeah. a fight. Yep. Exactly. Um, he was brought to trial <sighs> on October 24th, 1983, um, charged with only six counts of murder because there were so many victims that remained unknown. There was all this like random body parts that couldn't be identified. It's just like, okay, this is the best we can do. Um, And two counts of attempted murder. He was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum of 25 years before being eligible for parole, which like you would even fucking try to give this motherfucker parole. But fortunately we never got to that point because he died in prison recently, actually May 12th of 2018. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. So he how, has just recently passed. How old was he when he went to jail? Shit. I know. More math. I don't know. Mm. He went I to jail. I feel like he was kind of young. Mid 80s. Yeah, because he was only 14 when he went into the army. He's probably in his mid to late 20s. I don't Jeez. think he was even 30 yet when he went to jail. And he Holy killed that shit. many people. And that then, you know, 30-odd years later, he's in his mid-60s or so, and he died. Can you imagine if you were his prison cellmate no, and no. you found uh, out? Nope. He strangled he people there. in their sleep. He's yeah. writing you fucking memoirs about him. it. There's, oh like, God. so much media about this. He, I mean, it's insane. Like, Did he actually write a memoir? Yeah. I mean... Ugh. I had to, like, this case is the longest one I've probably ever done, and I omitted a ton of information because mm-hmm. he just, like, is a tell-all kind of killer. He's, like, worse than Ed Gein. 
Or not Ed yeah. Gein. What's his name? Yeah, Ed Gein. Albert Fish. No, it's not Ed Gein. Who's the guy that I covered in the necrophilia episode? Kemper. The co-ed killer. Yeah. He was, on, he was like a rapper. Kemper. Ed Kemper. You're Kemper. Right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, this guy's like more of a tell-all than Kemper. It's crazy. Jesus. Well, Albert Fish sort of told all too, didn't mm-hmm. he? Yeah. Blech. Anyway, mm-hmm. that's my case. Check your drains. If you have a clog, call your landlord yeah. immediately. Don't try to deal with it yourself. You never know what you're going to find. Unless he has a blog, you guys. He it. has a blog. What's his name? What's his name what? again? He has a blog, dennisnilson.blogspot.com. Blog. No. Well, yes. had a blog. He's now dead. Yeah, the latest entry was 2013. Oh, my God. 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 This shit is crazy. Murder. Murder is everywhere. I just shoved a handful of goldfish in my mouth. Ready for special thanks? Ready. Ready. Oh, my God. Goldfish are so good. Special thanks to Goldfish Crackers. <laughs> Pepperidge Farm. Shout out. <laughs> um, <laughs> special thanks this week. Of course, Woo-hoo. special thanks to our fan pick, Emily Bushy. Woo-hoo. You make me bright-eyed and bushy-tailed with your generosity. Thank you so much. I'm a little bushy downstairs. <laughs> I'll take care of that today. We're going on vacation soon. You better clear up that bush. Yeah, speaking of Megan Spiller, I'm spilling out of these <laughs> bathing suit bottoms. <laughs> My gorilla salad. Thank you for your five dollar a month. Good donation. God. Amanda. Yes. <laughs> what? Other Amanda. No last Different name. Amanda. Thank you so much for your do- for your semi anonymous donation. Nailed it. And Becca McDuffie, you are McDuffleupagus. I don't know. (laughs) I feel like the McDonald's menu should add something called a McDuffie that's like a meat. Yeah. Like a a meatball. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, With ice cream. Of the McDuffie and mash. Like a burger in like a Mm -hmm. spherical shape. A McDuffie. Indeed. Mm. Um, and it would be horrifying. And also, thank you, Emma Hoffman. You are a hoff skipping <laughs> a jump away from being our best friend. <laughs> As is April Sartin. I'm, I'm Sartin to fall in love with you. You're Sartin else. To feel Sartin. You're Sartin else. Wow. I think I just Sartin. <laughs> Lindsay Wiggins. Just you wait, Lindsay <laughs> Wiggins. Just you wait. Hey, Henry Wiggins. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I have nothing for Teresa Schoner. You should yeah, have I'm gonna shown, shown her, her your gorilla Shown her or later. Yeah, I'm shown her my nipples. Shown her or later. We'll find a way to thank you. <laughs> Show her your five dollar a month donation. Amanda's gonna show <laughs> her nipples. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh Kylie right. Dunham, you done him outdone yourself. <laughs> you outdone him. Yeah, out, there we go. <laughs> and Chelsea Avril, 
you make me sing like Avril Lavigne with joy. Oh, no. Whatever. Huh? Averil? She was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. <laughs> Gina Alberga. I really thought that said Gina Algebra. Oh, thank God it didn't. And then I was scared that your last name was <laughs> We'd have to skip you. It's yep. just as difficult for us, even though it's not mad. <laughs> Debbie Peripheral, my peripheral Ooh. vision, wants to thank you. <laughs> <laughs> can see your I see you donation. through my peripheral vision. I see you, Debbie Peripheral. <laughs> I can't tell what color you are, but I can see the movement. Nailed That's it. like a peripheral vision and thing. Sure. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Leslie, you make me Les out for you, Leslie. <laughs> Leslie, Leslie honest. honest. We love you. <laughs> Amy Plaza, you're you stole a plaza my heart. <laughs> you're fancier than the Plaza Wait, Hotel. Yeah, you fancy. Yeah. <laughs> there we. Callie there we go. Large, <laughs> your largess <laughs> is. Yeah, we met Callie in Nashville. Oh, oh Callie. that Callie on the rooftop OMG, of the Valentine. That was the All best right. night of my life. Callie, yeah, it you was larger a good We were living girl. large Thank that you. night. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. We were. I had to pour shots into a fake tree because you people kept ordering them for me. <laughs> yeah. And I almost died. I also poured shots into a fake tree. I got a yeah. shot poured yeah. on me by one of you two bitches because I happened to be standing too close. It was Kenyon. Shouldn't have looked like a fake tree. tree. <laughs> it yeah. was my peripheral vision. Yeah, I guess. It was Kenyon. It was Kenyon. <laughs> All right. Shout out to Orion Blackwood. Um, Orion would like to shout out, this is very cool, you guys. Orion would like to shout out the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico uh, to both remind survivors that help is out there. And in case any other members of the Wine Coven are thinking about donating um, either their, their time or their money to a, an amazing service provider, Orion wants you to think about donating to the Rape Crisis Center of Central New Mexico, and their website is http Jesus. colon slash slash. Oh, my God. It's 2018. It's rapecrisiscnm.org. Dot edu. Yes. Dot gov. Correct. Good job. Good, good job, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Orion. You're amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know who else is also amazing? Mm -hmm. Is Andrew yeah. Gerza of yes. the Disability After Dark podcast, one of our fave people. And they've increased their donation from $5 yeah. to $10 a month. So, Andrew, you're going to get one of them fucking patriarchy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, you are. As is we Nicole Sewell. Unlike Peripheral, <laughs> I see you very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Ooh, the next one's my friend, so don't fuck it up, Kenyon. Oh, Kelsey Schroeder. Hi, Kelsey. Um, Amanda Schroeder, done your shout out. Yes. Also, Kelsey, <laughs> I'll have you know, just survived many months on a cruise ship. <gasps> Why? Many working months working as an entertainer. Yeah, she was on a cruise ship. She cruised like all over the freaking world. Jealous of this 
little bitch. I thought she was um, like locked in the bathroom. It, she just couldn't she, get off. The no, cruise she's ship. like a, a phenomenal singer, dancer, and actress, and she was in a bunch of uh, wow. musicals on a That's cruise awesome. ship. And she so lived. She's been abroad for many moons, and she lived. The like, girl she's who alive lived. Congratulations on your survival. That is really yeah. impressive. She's the only one. I know. Dang. It's amazing. Good job, Kelsey. Um, and thank you, Paula Jabour. Yaya Jaja Gabour. <laughs> for your $10 a month donation. We love you, too. And we love Carrie Burger. Gotta love some burgers. Mm. Even if it's spelled with yeah. an E. Oh, I'm so hungry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cheese me, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Just... Throw some My brother-in-law is obsessed with this towel that he has as a joke where he got it made to say Steven with a P-H. So it says P-H-E-V-E-N. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. And like every time you say Steven with a P-H, he'll take 10 years to tell a story about how he got a towel made. That's fucking funny. That says Feven. <laughs> yeah, it's funny the first time. That's a good brother-in-law joke. Hi, Steve. (laughs) He doesn't listen. Steven. (laughs) But my sister does, so. Oh, Oh, my God. Where are we? Uh, My turn. Valerie and Amanda Sing Valerie by Amy Winehouse. Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) How about you sing it? (laughs) Yeah, the world wants that a lot more. I can only sing We Didn't Start the Fire. (laughs) <laughs> Start and skater boy. It. We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the west. Oh wait, it was always burning. Oh, I already fucked it up. Okay. Thanks, Valerie. Thanks, Valerie. <laughs> also, thank you to meet at the bronze. What is that? I don't know what this means, I but I love it. I think it's a and podcast, but I could be wrong. They're making their own tier with eleven dollars a month donation. Wow. So bless up, meet at the bronze. <laughs> thank you. Also to Normo or Norma? I think that's a typo. I'm going with Normo. Good job, Kenya. Normo Joe. Normo it is. Normo Joe Cortez. (laughs) And actually, I think I responded to your email the other day. So it's Norma Joe Cortez at $15 a month, which qualifies you for the trash queen level. You'll be getting some trash. It's not Norma Normo. It's Normo <laughs> it's, now. Yeah. Normo. Normo. It ain't Norma Normo. We christen you Normo. <laughs> Normo. Is it my turn? Uh, if it yeah. is actually Normo, I'm so sorry for making fun of you. I'm it, it's trying to make fun of Kenyon. <laughs> it's not about you. Okay, one typo in 77 episodes. I'm, Type I'm okay up. with that. Type a. Uh. Type <laughs> 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 okay. uh, also in the trash queen level, Christina Miller. Uh, Miller Mops. Make me feel like a Miller dollars. It's Miller time. If she make you feel like a Miller dollar bitch. <laughs> Whitney is about to come out, so I'm, like, really heavy on Whitney right now. (laughs) Hannah Johnson also wants to get her hands on some of that trash. (laughs) So increase their donation from $10 to $15 a month. Uh, Very many thanks. Uh, Also, thank you, Maria Lassas Martinson. Mm -hmm. I don't... Lassas Queen. Lasalle Queen. Queen. $15 a month, you're also a trash queen. 
Get mm -hmm. it. As is not, never mind. In the what's up <laughs> categories, just like Amanda's ex-boyfriends can't take commitment. Uh -huh. Still uh -huh. generous and lovers. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> current lovers. <laughs> Sarah Hooven. I'm cursed. <laughs> giving $25 once off via our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for your once off donation. We really appreciate it. It behooves us to tell you how much we love you. <laughs> and we love you as well, Hannah Burton. Yes. For your $30 once off donation. And while I am grieving my everyday life. I'm not grieving you. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Enjoy your mm -hmm. upcoming and tank Lizzie. top, Hannah. And as always, yeah. special thanks to our sponsor, Talkspace, the online therapy company that makes it easy, affordable, and convenient to connect with a licensed therapist via your cell phone. Yes, I did it. That was the first time I remembered everything for Talkspace. You did good. You did good. <laughs> and did good. the website and promo code. God damn it. <laughs> Talkspace.com <laughs> forward slash gals for $45 off your first month of therapy. <laughs> Nailed it. There it is. First try. Okay, we love you all so <laughs> much. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! If you ride Amtrak trains, this... Don't. Don't? This nope, stop now, because apparently they're fucked up. Yeah, this is a public service announcement... For the gayish podcast, I don't think those work hand in hand, but we talk about gay stereotypes. Uh, each episode, we talk about a different stereotype. We also talk about trains and why you should not be on them. Yeah, the, in the latest episode, episode 70, we talk about the mysterious deaths that have happened on Amtrak trains. Or disappearances. We don't know that they're dead, but we assume. And we also think it's Amtrak's fault, but you decide for yourself after you listen to us. You can find us on gayishpodcast.com or look up gayish wherever you can find podcasts. That thing you're listening on right now also works as a thing to find other podcasts. Like so, ours. Like ours. We so assume. We think. Probably. Search gayish and see see what happens. Oh, yeah. <laughs>